is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Well, Granny never put any distinctions on any of God's <laughs> creatures. She always used to say, Meats, meat, meat, and, and man's got to eat. Boils <laughs> <laughs> and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, this is Trevor, and for myself, Lauren, and Leo, Welcome to episode 220. This time around, you are joined by actor Sawyer Spielberg. At time of release, he makes his starring feature film debut in Dark Star Pictures and Bloody Disgusting's Honeydew on VOD, Digital HD, and DVD now. It's absolutely horrifying and so unique with a bizarre and unsettling mood enhanced by one of the coolest scores we've ever heard by John Merriman. We'll talk about what went into crafting that world, Sawyer's recent discovery and love of the genre, working with writer-director Devereaux Milburn, and how this particular experience has been a game-changer for him. Episode 220 starts now. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Ah, oh, shit. What? The fucking GPS lost service. Did you mess with it? Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to lose direction where there's no signal. Did you touch it? There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. You're on my property. Uh, do you know any anything that might be open this late? Hi. We were just wondering if we could borrow your phone. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a phenomenal actor who at the age of 16 saw John Logan's Red on Broadway, which set him on a course to pursue a career on stage. With an arsenal of tools picked up from training at Atlantic Theater Company, whose alumni includes William H. Macy, Felicity Huffman, Jessica Alba, Elizabeth Olsen, and more, He made his off-Broadway debut in the Belgrade Trilogy in the East Village when he was 20 and went on to productions of The Diary of Anne Frank, of Mice and Men, Guildhall of East Hampton's production of Hamlet, and so much more. He makes his feature film debut in Devereaux Milburn's Honeydew that follows a young couple left stranded during a road trip in rural New England. It's a presentation of Bloody Disgusting and Dark Star Pictures. It's on VOD, Digital HD, and DVD now. Our guest performance in it is chilling and fun. He is a blast to watch transform into this character, Sam. We are honored to welcome Sawyer Spielberg. Yeah! Thank you. Wow. What a, what an introduction that's made my week. Wow. Well, man, congratulations on this film. We are obsessed with this thing. Oh yeah. It's so good. There's so many detailed, wild layered nuances with this film, Honeydew between the characters and the atmosphere and the lighting and the directing and the editing and and this project was so uh, fulfilling and enriching to shoot when we shot this two and a half years ago. Wow. And I'm just, I'm just so honored to talk about it here with you guys and talk about horror movies in general and film and, and acting and working on this project. And well, let's, let's yeah, get right yeah. into it. So Great. first of all, this film takes some very well-known horror tropes and puts an incredibly 
unique spin on them to an almost dizzying degree. What has your own personal experience with the horror genre been like as a viewer? What's the first time you remember seeing a horror film and how it made you feel? I didn't get into horror until like four years ago. I'm a bit of a late bloomer to horror. It took me some time to get into it because I think there was one Halloween month where, where my wife and I got together and we just watched every, we tried to watch every single classic horror movie that we can put on. But before that, like I was a huge fan of thrillers like The Shining, all the ones that everyone has seen a million times over again. And I mean, there's Poltergeist, but I think the first, okay. So the first horror movie that I ever saw was this story about this guy. And it was a tale. It was like a short episode in a miniseries that probably was shot in like the eighties, eighties or seventies. I'm going to have to, you guys have to help me remind, remind me the name, but about this guy who's got a hand and his hand is as creepy person's head. And it, haunting him and attacking this poor guy he ends up having to chop it off and his hand is running around attacking i have to look it up again because i remember seeing it i must have been like 12 years old i was i was in some hotel somewhere traveling and i saw my sister and i were flipping through the tv and it came on and rushed all the way through and i couldn't sleep for like six nights and i had this image of this hand just running around my floor and like popping out at me. That was the first horror movie that I ever saw. And then four years ago, I just, I've, I found enough nerve to just dive deep into, into it all. And I've, I've, and I was really amazed with the, with like the, the seventies and eighties decades. And I felt like they were bringing so, so much new, like between the makeup and between the sound and between, between the acting and, and the stories, like the stories were so rich in the eighties and seventies and they were taking risks that no one has ever taken before. When I read Honeydew for the first time, I felt like it had, it was like an homage to the seventies and eighties horror movies of that time. And there was so many things that reminded me of, of, of those two decades of film and that's what first drew me to the project. You know, that's the amazing power of, of horror films. That's why we love them so much. And this is what Honeydew does to us as well. It sticks with you and you meditate on it and you think about it and you can't get it out of your head. And it comes up in the, in the times you least want to remember it. You know, when you're walking around your house at night and it's dark and you got to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been like, it's been many, many, many years. And I'm still thinking about that, that hand movie. We're going to figure that out at at the end of this podcast. That was a TV series, you think? It was a TV series. I couldn't find it, but I did find one of my all-time favorite Twilight Zone episodes that I want to talk about is The Dummy. Oh, yes! So good. The Dummy, yeah. Nothing scares me more than dolls coming alive or dummies manipulating or becoming too human for anybody. I think what scares me the most in horror movies is like where, where you don't know if it's real, if you don't know if it's in the guy's head and if he's, if he's making it up on his own. And I think that the dummy is one of the great movies in the Twilight Zone series uh, episodes that really, really describes that. In terms of the seventies, what was your experience with films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for instance? I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre just a couple years ago and 
everyone keeps saying that there's a big similarity between the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Honeydew. And the only similarity that I, that I see is just the cannibalism aspect of it and just the torturing of humans aspect of it. But besides that, I really feel like Honeydew stands on its own. I have a hard time associating the two of them, but I, I, I love, I love the idea of normal, ordinary people, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, like leaving their comfort, going on a trip, hoping to just let go of all of their worries back home. And all they get is the exact opposite. And they just get thrown into so much more chaos and so much more trouble. And uh, I thought that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of the first movies that really took it all the way to its extreme. For that time, it was probably one of the bravest films that anybody's ever done. And it gets talked about for years on end because it was just so violent and crazy and absurd. Also, what really interests me, too, about that film was just like, what, how can a human being do that? How can a human being go to that, to that extreme and do the things that these guys did to this, these poor like campers? And it's the same with Honeydew. Like, like, how do you get to a point in your life where you just completely lose touch with reality and your moral system and love and all the things that keep us grounded and, and just become this, this psychopath? That, to me, is one of the most interesting topics that anybody can ever cover. And it's just, it's just traumatic, completely traumatic. Just going into this, the first thing that we see is the relationship between you and, and Riley, right? Played by Malin. And it feels yeah. extraordinarily real. And it's the first thing that brings us into the story. It feels lived in, like it's been a long time in between them. You guys are so mm-hmm. comfortable with each other, almost to a fault. And it lights the dialogue on fire as they find themselves in this crazy situation. How did you and Malin build that? Mm-hmm. Every single morning before we'd we'd head to set to start shooting, we would go for these long, like two hour long runs through kind of where we were staying. And while we were running, we were just, we were running lines and we were getting to know each other. And we were trying to figure out what these characters liked about each other and what these characters didn't like about each other. And uh, we were building like a, like a familiarity in that process every morning going for those jogs. And so once we got to set, we had like, we were tired and we were a little bit, we were more familiar and more comfortable. So when we started shooting, we had all of this, this backstory that we created together. You know, the relationship is kind of, it's past the honeymoon stage. It's at that stage where it's like, this may not work. This could be our last trip together. Everything's in all the chips are on the table. And so there was, there was kind of a lot of lot at stake. Like the whole relationship was at stake. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) And we were just finding so many great moments um, while we were living in this world. And the cool thing about this project, which I haven't felt before in any other project, is that it was such a, the team was so, so committed and the team was so um, familiar to me. Everybody who worked on this project, I keep in touch with today. I speak to them every month. 
because there was something about the team that Dev created. Everyone just felt so comfortable with each other that we can say or do anything. And there was nothing that was out of bounds, nothing that was. So it created a very, very comfortable environment for all of us to really just explore all those different wild relationships. And, and also the best part too, is we didn't really know Barbara Kingsley who played Karen that well. We met maybe once or twice, like two or three months before we started shooting. And then we haven't seen her in three months time. And then we show up on set and she's built this entire character who is completely different than who we met two or three months ago. And she was completely off book and she was living, she was living far away. And and so when we, when we walked up to the house and we knocked on the door and we met her for the first time, a lot of those feelings were real. They were like, we were like, what the fuck has she done? (laughs) That awkward smile she gives you and she's standing there. Yeah, We're standing there and it's just so awkward. And we're standing there and I'm just like, Barbara Kingsley is not there anymore. (laughs) Who is this woman standing in the doorway? And so that surprise was like, was gold. And he, and Dev got that on tape and, um, and, and she was surprising us every single day. There was one moment where we were doing the scene on the couch and she was completely focused and committed in character that she didn't notice that a moth flew into frame and flew right up her nose and she was completely unfazed by it. And I, I think I just started, I started cracking up. I was like, this is just completely wild. And every single thing. And I didn't know uh, Jamie that well, who, who played Goonie June bug. And so when he was going off and started trembling and shaking at the table, I was just com- completely and a mix between all of the surprises of the characters, which I was not prepared for before shooting. And then a combination of like, we only have two weeks to shoot this because we're on a budget and we don't have a lot of time. So we have to just shoot everything very quickly. And so there's a level of, of spontaneity that kept everybody on their toes. And, and so all the surprises and all the moments that we had together were completely real. And I've never experienced that before. Sometimes when you do a play, you rehearse it so many times, you lose the the magic and it takes a lot of work to try to get it back. But with this, you know, we didn't rehearse it that much. So a lot of what you saw was just completely fresh in the moment. As fresh as that steak. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) The Boo Crew will be right back. They were young and not so innocent. And they thought it would be a lot of laughs to spend the night in the funhouse. But tonight, no one is laughing in the funhouse because tonight something evil is alive in the funhouse. The funhouse, rated R. Children under 17 not admitted without parent or guardian. Comparing it to a theater production, is the stopping and starting nature of a filming process distracting or challenging when it comes to continuity and tethering a performance? When you do a play, you start from the beginning and you just, you go, you run all the way through to the end. And so your character goes through every single emotion 
that he needs to. And it's, it's usually fueled by the scene before or the moment before. And so it's very easy to get through the entire play because each scene is just fueling you into the next scene, the next scene. But with, with movies and TV, you may be shooting the last scene of the movie on the first day. And so you don't have that, that fuel, that momentum that you built the second you walk on stage to get yourself to that position, to that mental state that you have to be in towards the end of the play. In film, you have to just sort of use your imagination more and really tap into kind of where he's at. Like you have to know where you're at in the story. And so sometimes you have to start from the end and work your way back or start from the middle and then go to the end and then back to the beginning. And so you have to do a lot of, a lot of remembering where you are and knowing the circumstances and knowing who you're talking to and building relationships, trying to personalize everything a lot more I found. But Honeydew was the first movie that when I finished wrapping it, I was like, fuck, that was fun. That was a great time. I want to do more of that. So Honeydew marks the film that inspires me to do more, more film and TV work. It kind of broke whatever fears or anxieties I had about that, about that field by working on that film. And would you want to work in more horror? You love it? Yeah, of course. I do. I do. I do want to work in more horror and I want to work in more. Um, believe it or not, there's a very, very similar horror is is almost like comedy with a little bit of a of a delay or something like when i was working on honeydew i was finding so many funny moments between working with barbara and working with Malin and working with jamie just the four of us were finding so many comedic moments together and it was because of the the intensity of the story that we were doing and i i almost want to do a comedy too at some point because i was I was really tapping into something very sensitive by working on a horror project. Like you wouldn't think that, but there's a lot of similarities between comedy and horror I'm finding. As well as the rhythm probably in performance as well. And knowing when to deliver that fright or that punchline, there's some sort of innate rhythm that has to go with it as well. I think that's, it's probably the rhythm that you just mentioned. I think there's a similar rhythm, but then you kind of have to trust the director to, to be able to get what he needs and to edit it in the right way to also help that rhythm too. Honeydew has so many great tension filled scenes with a third act. That's just wild working with director Devereaux. What was your favorite sequence or scene to shoot? My favorite scenes to shoot with Dev were running around the house, looking for Riley. The dinner scene was great. It was like the first time we were in the house and we were still very unfamiliar and getting used to everything and, and things were happening very fast. And, and that was, a, I remember that being a very exciting moment, but towards the end of the shoot, we had to do all these takes of me uh, just running up and down the stairs, walking into rooms, going down behind the house into the basement, up around the kitchen, walking through doors and opening doors and closing doors. And, we did that for like an hour and a half and, and that hour and a half I found to be extremely playful and extremely exciting and, and extremely like satisfying as an actor to just run around this haunted house that we've created, this world that we've created. Cause we shot that towards the end of the film. And so we've, we've built all of these personal relationships with this house 
And so for me to just spend an hour and a half with the camera following me running around the house, opening doors and closets and running up and down stairs was just like, it just lit everything up for me. Okay. Talk to us about the farmhouse. Was that a practical location, including that creepy ass basement? Yeah, it's a farm in, uh, in Western Massachusetts. I don't know who found it in the daylight. It was beautiful at night. It was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. We shot the entire dream sequence in that barn. All of the walking under the house stuff was shot there too. And there's a few nights where we shot, we started shooting at like 5 PM, did some sunset shots. Then we shot all the way through like 4 AM. And it's so funny because these houses up in Massachusetts are beautiful houses. They're gorgeous, like stunning places. But the second the sun goes down, it just becomes a nightmare. The spiders come out. I've got huge arachnophobia. Everything just becomes like the, the, one night the moon was coming up above the barn and we were all standing outside and it was kind of raining and it was overcast and we were in the bushes and just seeing the silhouette of this amazing old barn that they found was just completely terrifying. And I knew just by watching that, that once they get these shots and they have, you know, Dan Kennedy, Dan Kennedy may have been another big reason why I jumped on this team because his cinematography is, is got an incredible depth to it that I, I haven't seen before in a long time. And I was excited to see what he did with this barn and he completely lit it to just suck you in. It's just like, you could not do anything, but just get sucked into it. And it, it helped me as an actor because who would ever in their rightful mind walk into a barn like this in the middle of night, in the middle of nowhere, nobody would ever do that. But there was something just almost supernatural about this barn, just sucking you in. And that's what ended up happening to this, this poor couple. So I've seen this movie four or five times and this question like it plagues me all the time when you guys are sitting on the platform and your legs are dangling did they ever fall asleep because that's my fear like <laughs> i hate when that happens and i'm like oh my gosh i bet their legs are asleep and like they're stuck up there i had anxiety my feet and my legs fell asleep and my, <gasps> my butt yeah, everything fell asleep that night. it's crazy <laughs> no, i we were tied to that post for two nights in a row and it was freezing cold. It was like 30 degrees temperature and we had nothing but our, our, my sweatpants and my shirt and the ledge in that post was very narrow. So it was like sitting on an old, like 1930s bike oh my oh my God. Gosh. <laughs> for a very, very long time between takes. They were like throwing towels on blankets on top of us and giving us hot coffee and hot tea and trying to keep us from getting hyperthermia and trying to keep us from and then we'd get up and the second i got off that post for a break like it took me like five to ten minutes to relearn how to walk again because i mean i was using so much core work and to just not be able to fall off that thing thank you for answering i have a lot of great memories about that post <laughs> so, that I, I, I that i would never forget for as long as i live you got the chance to play with some awesome gore effects in that amazing dream sequence. How was that? Yeah. Another thing that helped me get into the, to, into the world, into the gory aspects of Honeydew is, is, is sitting there for two hours while the incredible makeup artist, Krista, 
was doing my stomach up, making it look oozy and gooey and disgusting and just adding all sorts of coloring. And then, and then she'd come in and like hook up a plug and then a cord. And then she'd be like behind the camera, like pumping more blood into my stomach and just getting it all oozy and disgusting. And then when we did the dream sequence, when I walked onto set, that was the first thing that we shot. So on the first day I had this incredible stomach on and I had like blood oozing out of it and pus oozing out of it. And I was laying there in this barn in the middle of Massachusetts. And it was my first day of shooting and I was still breaking the ice with some people. And I just was like, how did I get here? (laughs) (laughs) How did I get to this point? And my, you know, like, like four years ago, I was doing Anne Frank, you know, how did I get, how did I get to this, this place? It was extremely uncomfortable, but it was the perfect first thing to do because it had all the scariest moments for an actor to be able to tackle. And just to get those out of the way, it just broke the ice immediately. And that stomach and that barn and, and, and that dream sequence was, that was it. That was the beginning of what I was soon to find out, an epic 16-day shoot. Seeing as there are some shocking surprises towards the end of the film, were any of them kept from you or the rest of the cast during filming? I didn't know who was playing Delilah. I didn't know I didn't know who who was playing Delilah until until her scene came up. And so that was a surprise. We were in the makeup room and we were getting ready and we were I was putting on this this outfit and and then I turn around and there's and there's the actor playing Delilah and and that was so that was a surprise to me. I wasn't expecting to be working with her on this project and and she came in for two days and she was incredible and she was had a lot of a lot of her own ideas and and we had a great time working together in those those quick scenes and I think it's very brave for anybody to jump into to a horror genre because it takes a lot of like you really have to go all the way and she really committed 110 percent. We could talk to you for another two hours about this movie, but unfortunately, <laughs> we, we're getting the signal, so we got to let you go, man. But listen, man, thank you so much for this. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm so sad that we never figured out the, the mysterious hand movie uh, TV series. Oh, we'll but figure it out. <laughs> if, you, if you find it, I, I'm going to try to look it up, and I'll, I'll try to send it over to uh, to you guys, and uh, and maybe maybe we'll finally get to the bottom of it. But that was the first the first horror movie I ever saw. Awesome, Sawyer, man. Well, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your night, man, out there. Take care. All right. Yeah, have a good day. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 220. Special thanks to our guest, Sawyer Spielberg. At time of release, Dark Star Pictures and Bloody Disgusting's Honeydew is on VOD, Digital HD, and DVD now. Production tracks for this one provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. 
a bloody disgusting podcast network home of the boo crew horror-centric interviews scp archives weekly full cast storytelling horror queers genre commentary from an lgtbq perspective and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 